Oborn and Heller on Cricket, brought to you by the Chiswick Calendar. Hello from me, Richard Heller, in south-east London, where it's sunny but in lockdown again, and uh, relaying an apology from Peter, who's away on an assignment overseas. We're delighted, however, to have as a replacement opening bowler, our very good friend, Roger Alton. Roger is former editor of The Observer and The Independent. He's currently a sports columnist for The Spectator. Roger, at this point, please say hello to our global public and tell them where you are. Oh, Richard, how very nice of you to introduce me and how wonderful to be here. I'm uh, currently sitting in my office in my house in southeast London on a very, very sunny, bright day where we I feel we should be playing cricket. And uh, all in all, I'd much rather be in Pakistan than here, to be quite honest. And um, I toured there before with Peter and absolutely love the place. And I think it's such a privilege to be here and be able to talk to Sana. Well, I couldn't agree more, Roger. And um, just to introduce you a little bit more to our global public, you and I and Peter have quite a history of cricket together, not only in Pakistan, don't we? We've... um, played for and against each other in in quite a few other places. And quite a few other places around the world, and it's been one of the most gripping uh, contests outside the ashes. I think uh, people would uh, uh, queue up to get in. Now, I've uh, loved cricket all my life, and ever since my dad took me to the Oxford University Parks in the 50s and to watch visiting touring teams, it's fantastic. You just sit there and watch the Windies. Uh, South Africa, the Aussies and so on. Absolutely, it's a an experience and I've, uh, I love playing cricket and reading about cricket and watching cricket and, and t- talking, burbling interminably about cricket ever since. And it's a great privilege to be here. Well, Roger, I'm sure you're as thrilled as I am to welcome our guest today. Uh, she's the former captain of the Pakistan women's cricket team, Sana Mir, recently retired after 226 international appearances as an all-rounder. I think 137 of them were as captain. She's received many awards. She's the first woman cricketer to be honoured by her country. But I think, Sana, it's probably true to say that you are more than, even more than formal awards, you value the immense reception you got worldwide when you recently announced your retirement. Hello to everyone. Yes, um, thank you so much. And of course, I've been very grateful for the whole journey and the way the way I've played throughout this journey and the friendships that we made and, and the respect that we had for each other, all the players around the globe. Uh, cricket was the main factor that connected us. And through that, uh, you got to meet so many lovely human beings and extraordinary uh, athletes. And it has been a great journey and definitely uh, really happy with the way I received so much love and respect uh, when I finally announced my retirement. Well, you very much earned it, um, Sana. You have been an inspiration to people all over the world. Yes, I I was just going to say, Sana, I mean, it's impossible to watch some of the film about you without sort of, uh, you know, tear coming to the eye. You've been a remarkable inspiration since you retired, which is very recently, isn't it, in April. Have you had a flood of stuff coming in talking to you? I mean, I know I obviously want to talk to you about how you started, but what's it been like since you retired? 
so uh, once I I retired, I took a few months off. I was not talking to any media or uh, anyone because I just wanted to reflect on my journey before I could talk about it. Because for me, it was something extremely close to my heart. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to play cricket and I wanted to represent my country. So of course, it was not any easy decision to come to, but like it's you say that every good thing has to come to an end. So of course, for the first two months, um, I was flooded with a lot of requests for interviews, and a lot of people wanted to talk and know about it. But I, I, th- I thought it was best for me to just take some time off, reflect, and then then engage with with media, especially. So most of my time after April, I've spent with my family, my friends, the people I love, and I've not been able to see them a lot because of all the travel. So I've um, really enjoyed this time, even though it has been a tough time around the globe. But personally, through COVID, everyone was home. So it it gave gave me a time to just reconnect and just um, yeah. So it has been a quite a peaceful and relaxing time. Sana, can I, can I kick off by asking you how you started playing cricket? And I mean, we know Pakistan is a country where everybody loves cricket, more or less. It's a cricket-obsessed nation, and that's what's one of the wonderful things about being there. How, how did you start, and what, what were your, was it easy at school with your family, your friends? How, what was it like? So my earliest memory of, of holding a bat was when we, my father was in the military when he was posted in Gilgit in the north of Pakistan and I was three and a half or four years old and my brother and his friends were playing in the backyard and that's my first memory of just lifting the bat and playing with them so that's where I started and that's where I learned the first all the first lessons of cricket with my brother and his friend Uh, so definitely it has to be the backyard and the streets Yes. Uh, what about you? Were born in Abbottabad, weren't you? I mean, what was it? What was it like at school there? Could you play a lot of cricket? So I was only born in Abbottabad, and uh, I was here for one and a half year, and then my father got posted to Gilgit. So oh yeah. Even there, I didn't start start school. I started school in the city called Rawalpindi, where uh, at the moment international cricket is happening. So that's where I I started my schooling. So I didn't live in Aptabad until recently. I uh-huh. I only visited Aptabad in summer holidays uh, during our uh, religious holidays yes. and things like that whenever we we were off so I would come to Aptabad to my family to my grandmother to my aunts. So now in the last one year I've I've been living in Aptabad more, more, most of the time otherwise I was just living in different parts of Pakistan yeah. uh, as my father got posted. Was it easy for girls to get to play cricket when you were growing up and a, and a teenager? I mean, was there pressure on uh, on you not to be playing and so on? What was it like? So yeah, it was it was not easy uh, at that point. Initially, you were the odd one out. No, uh, for most of my uh, cricket that I played on the street and backyard or uh, with my f- friends, I was the only girl for most of the time. There was another girl uh, that accompanied me for a couple of years, but that was it. So initially it was difficult to be that odd one out. You always get that extra attention. People can object sometimes, but because I I used to live in cantonment areas, so it was more protected. Um, Everyone knew each other. The neighborhood was mostly very friendly. So personally, it was not that difficult for me. 
until until my teenage and i did stop for four years i didn't play because there were hardly any grounds or academies of cricket so basically we used to play on the streets but once i hit my teens when i was 14 15 uh, then there was a time that i stopped going onto the streets to play cricket because overall in the society uh, at that point when girls are growing up people and parents become more protective about them so yeah it was a bit of a journey in that sense also but overall uh, my own experience my family has been extremely supportive my mother got me back into cricket also when i was 17 18 uh, oh, the, after the yeah, 3 year gap she 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 showed me an interview that there's there are some trials being held so i gave the trials and got selected so personally it has not been uh, that difficult but yes i know a lot of girls who who, who uh, had a tougher journey than me uh, picking up the sport i'm yeah. interested to hear you say trials asana because um, were these trials organized by the by the khan sisters yes they were organized by the khan sisters oh. so that's where i got selected for the first time um, it was around 70 plus girls who showed up at the trials there was a there was an article in the newspaper about the trials and i went there and six of us got selected so myself and nan abdi who who became the first centurion uh, for pakistan we both met there and got selected for a camp for the first time oh that's brilliant we've um, peter and i have spent a lot of time with the khan sisters sadly sharmin has uh, died um, quite recently but we spent a lot of time talking to, to both of them, and we've recorded their story. It was um, Khan sisters were two sisters who came back from an English education where they'd been very successful in cricket, and they decided, in a very, very hostile circumstances, that they were going to form a Pakistan women's cricket team on their own initiative. And um, with the help of their father, in um, it was a a carpet manufacturer in Karachi. They set up this encampment uh, in Karachi, which I think is the one that Sana's just described, and recruited girls by advertisement to play in a Pakistan women's cricket team. And that was the, the, the very first international women's team to represent Pakistan in any sport for many years, I think. How much do they contribute to your development as a cricketer, the, the Khan sisters and their encampment, Sana? So I um, attended a three weeks camp with them um, before uh, giving another trials under PCB. So my my whole time with them was for three weeks, uh, which uh, they had a camp arranged there in their home, and there was um, there was a net, and we would go and play hardball cricket matches, which were quite rare at that time. Having an opportunity like that for girls was not very common. So definitely. I got to meet a lot of cricketers and uh, it was it was really nice to actually play against and with girls. Um, that's the memory I have. And definitely with their struggle, a 10, 15 years struggle of how they managed to fund the team and took the girls abroad was quite inspirational for me. Uh, but one, once ICC and IWCCA had that merger, they... In Pakistan, it was not a very smooth uh, merger um, and a lot of things didn't go as they should have gone. I was very young. I was 17, 18 at that point. Um, and I 
did uh, write to the then president uh, as a as a teenager and because i got to know about both these groups and i uh, after after these three three week camp in karachi i also attended a camp in lahore under pcb and i saw how both how girls on both sides were extremely passionate uh, extremely they wanted to represent the country but one one group would not like to play with other group so i write a letter to the president and uh, asking him suggesting him that can you please uh, see if we can get neutral selectors and um, and have one team made for pakistan that would be a great team and we can play there so then i, I got called for the trials and um, i mean before before going to the trials i knew some of the other cricketers from the other group then i got called for the trials under pcb i performed there um, there were three practice matches i got three wickets in the in one match uh, 20 runs two run outs in another match and that's how got selected in uh, for the team under pcb because that that was where uh, international cricket was being played so i didn't play any international cricket with shaiza sharmin or kiran but i did attend that three week week camp and uh, definitely learned a lot of history of women's cricket through them talking to them and about their struggle also Well, it's very good to hear that they made a contribution to you, um, Sana. It's uh, did your letter have to the president have any effect? Did you actually get a reply? So um, I was called to this camp under PCB after I, I, I wrote that letter, and then I got selected, and then they were called also for various camps. All all the girls on uh, from the Shaiza. PWCCA camp they were also called some of them came some of them did not come some of them got selected some of them did not get selected so there was a movement but i'm not i didn't get a direct reply but indirectly i i do think that things um uh, did happen and unfortunately it it didn't happen at, as it should be and uh, i i can just say that it was unfortunate uh, the way things were handled uh, by both the parties not only one initially from one party but uh, the way it ended it it was we missed i think pakistan cricket could have grown quite faster if we had senior players with us uh, in 2005 uh, when i remember when i was playing my first match against sri lanka nine of us were making a debut out of 11 so that was extremely difficult all other countries had their senior players they had that knowledge base camp but we didn't have anything so we had to almost start from scratch in 2005 there was intense factional rivalry peter and i have written about this between so to say the pcb faction and the khan sisters and um there's very bitter disputes there was litigation which i think some of which is still going on isn't it um So no, it was never and there was never any reconciliation was there Yes uh, as i said things were not handled well and i think with the ca- kind of contribution shaiza and sharmin had for 10 years it was not uh, well re- received or acknowledged from pcb at that point and also the kind of uh, structure or culture pcb wanted to create at that point they couldn't understand that also so i mean there was there was misunderstanding a lot of mistrust between them and i did try myself are are a lot of girls who were uh, in this camp we did try to make things 
better but then we came into the fire crossfire also so i mean it was it was a tough time um uh, but the biggest loss i would say was the cricketing knowledge that they gained for the 10 15 years that could have helped the youngsters at that point um that's that's my take out of it well sana can i ask one thing i mean i just have to say you know you're you, uh, you've been such an inspiration in terms of cricket and also in terms of just making women want to think about taking up cricket and it's always watching you uh, play it's it's really marvelous and moving and and the more people get to see it the better can i ask you were a student in karachi weren't you did you did you get to play much cricket there not at all uh, in my college uh, there was no opportunity to play cricket but there was an opportunity for me to stay fit so there were a lot of other sports uh, being offered like basketball swimming tennis table tennis badminton so because all these sports require s- smaller areas so yeah. due to due to different budgeting concerns with our country not every college or university can have a cricket ground or have access to a cricket ground yeah. so there was no cricket at that point so i played for two years i was in college i played all other sports i used to miss cricket but i couldn't play it <laughs> well that's nice <laughs> but nonetheless you got um, your first international cap sana didn't you when you were still at university weren't you i think it was it was in 2005 against sri lanka you scored a rather important 23 in the middle order in in a narrow defeat so were you were you selected on the basis of these these trials you were talking about if you hadn't been playing any formal cricket yeah so at that point uh, there was only one national championship that used to happen there was no under 19 there was nothing no other structure so there was only one um, national championship which had ha- happened before these trials so all the girls from that national championship also attended the trials and the new girls who wanted to play cricket also attended the trials and then there were three teams or two teams made and then we played against each other and whoever performed well uh, ended up in in the top 16 people who were to represent pakistan then there was an indian under 21 team that came so i first played there performed there and then i got to play for pakistan um, against sri lanka and there was a, there's a funny story uh, about that match because um, it was my debut match and we were like five or six down in in our 50s and it was a low scoring match we we were chasing we were under pressure and the captain was also sana javed was the captain at that point she was also making her debut and we had a mix up uh, on the pitch and she got run out so once the match was over the selector called me and said that whether you well you are the senior most player of this team and you got the captain run out i was like it is my first match <laughs> so just just because i had played some cricket before and how i could talk about cricket he just thought in his head that i was the senior player so yeah. i still remember that and i still uh it it makes me happy also it makes me sad also at the fact that on my debut i was still the senior player i think but i think anybody who hasn't run out the captain their captain hasn't really experienced <laughs> cricket properly actually we've run out we've run out peter our colleague many times <laughs> and he asked so it's when you began what was the domestic structure like for women's cricket i mean you played with the bank women's team didn't you and you you led them to a lot of 
successes. So how, what is the structure like? Can you, is it, is that, is that the way to go? Is that the way to keep for going forward bank and corporate structures and so on? So I think the bank, I will just start with the bank first. The, the bank offered us contracts before PCB. So for me, that's huge. They offered us contracts in 2010 and PCB offered us contracts in 2011. So before we got, uh, after uh, the gold medal win, I think we became the bank employees before we, we got a contract with PCB. So we have enjoyed as Pakistan Women's Cricket a lot of support from the departments uh, and with, with very little kind of financial assistance and very still, I would say, semi-professional contracts being offered to women, for to girls. Department cricket is vital for for the game, um, uh, especially in women's cricket. I'm sure in men's cricket also. But to in order to have a larger pool, it is it's it, it's very important that we we get the girls out of that financial distra- distress and help them just focus on the game. Yeah. As far as domestic structure is concerned, I'm not happy. I've never been happy with the structure and I've always talked about it. The quality is not there. The The trainings are not there. If there's a tournament happening, we start the camp just maximum 10 days before the tournament. There's not uh, regular cricket being played in Pakistan for women. After a lot of dialogue, after writing a lot of re- reports, we finally established five cricket academies in five different regions in Pakistan, in, I think, two years ago. So yeah. now there are five academies where girls can go and play every day. But I still think that's not enough. I yeah. think girls should have a place to play cricket in every single ground under PCB in every city. Yeah. And it should be it should be every day, apart from whenever they want to, they need to have rest. Otherwise, you know, for us to keep up uh, with international teams, it's going to be very challenging. You should be running uh, uh, women's cricket in Pakistan, Sana. Would you like to do that? that. Yes, yes. (laughs) At the moment, if I I would have wanted to work for cricket, I would not have retired. So (laughs) that's all I can say for now. We're going to come on to your future plans. Could I, um, so could I just make clear you didn't get any you didn't get any match fee from the from the PCB at the outset of your international career, and you, you were re- relying on the bank. Is that is that the is that right? Yes, for the first six years from two thousand five to two thousand eleven, uh, our first contract was offered in January two thousand eleven. So from 2005 to 2006, there were no match fees, no uh, monthly payments. I left engineering. I left my studies in in the sense professional studies. And there was no, I mean, there was only a daily allowance that we would only get when the camp was on. And then if we were going on tour, then there was a different daily allowance for international tour. That was it. So sometimes we would get only four international games the whole year and we pay, like waited for that four days uh, of cricket uh, throughout the year and not get get paid or or take up on any job so it was quite a difficult time and that's why i think until pcb can have more girls in con- uh, contract and have better facilities for girls around all the cricketing centers in pakistan Department cricket is is going to be extremely vital 
uh, and decision about departmental cricket for women's cricket is going to be a very crucial one. Uh, might be more crucial, is definitely more crucial than the decision of men's cricket, men's departmental cricket. Yeah. Um, Kilnath, you've made um, more than 220 international appearances and nearly 140 as captain. You've had two huge number of honours, two Asian Gold Cup medals, top ranked in the ICC, ICC women's bowler, Pakistan, first Pakistan women's cricketer to be decorated by the state. What are the highlights of this fabulous career? What are your great, uh, most great, great cricketing moments or great awards? What, what, what sings out for you? Well, uh, it's 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 very difficult to actually pinpoint, uh, but I think I can name a few. Um, there was a time I was the only one in the top twenty ranking uh, in ICC, but in two thousand fourteen, uh, December two thousand fourteen, under my captaincy, there were eight girls from Pakistan in. ICC top 20 ranking yeah. so for me that that is um, that is one of the peak points I think uh, for a team to develop players to develop and and reach that mark internationally uh, then of course uh, beating India in World Cups twice because the men's team has not been able to do it since <laughs> so that, makes, that makes it a bit more sweeter <laughs> Then uh, representing um, Pakistan and enjoying the atmosphere at Lords in, in World Eleven, I think that was an incredible experience. We don't get to play in a lot of leagues or uh, don't get to mingle with other uh, nationalities, but to do it at Lords um, and uh, to have that, to play at Lords, I think that was, again, um, a great experience for me. Another thing was the wisdom... Um, Captain of the decade. I think that was another thing that I felt very proud when my, my name was on it. Um, and then um, I think after leaving captaincy, of course, the two gold medals who that became as milestones in, in people recognizing us. Uh, we got support. We started getting contracts, so all that stuff. And then uh, personally becoming world number one in bowling because... I mean, that was at one point a dream that at some point in my life, I also thought that I was dreaming too big <laughs> because uh, it was not, we didn't get uh, enough resources back home. We didn't get uh, a lot of cricket against better teams apart from the World Cup. But with the ICC championship, we got that opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, so to be able to reach that mark, that was extremely satisfying for me. Sonam, uh, very impressed indeed that you spoke of the, one of the, your greatest achievements as being the fact that um, eight Pakistan women cricketers travelled with you up into the world rankings. That says a very, very great deal about your captaincy and your ability to achieve team spirit. Is there any special um, techniques or way in which you achieve this? So I think I I was very fortunate uh, initially to have a family the way I, we have. I mean, my the first team that um, I I look up to is my parents. They have um, they have been a great team and given given us uh, a great atmosphere at home. One that talks about encouragement and one that talks about justice and trust so i think i just wanted to carry those values uh, with me 
when <laughs> I was leading and when someone was dependent on me. So I think that was my thinking going into into cricket. So yeah, initially when I was the only one uh, in the in the ranking, the first couple of times people would come and congratulate me. It made me very proud. But after a few times, it used to it started frustrating me that why was I the only one? So yeah. that's when I I started taking more effort uh, to make sure that the the team around me was developing faster. We were developing as a group. Um, I never had that um, misconception because that's why I chose cricket over other sport. I was good in some other sports also, but I loved being part of a team. So. Uh, initially from from day one we we were together and we were struggling but once once i hit that top 20 icc mark i just thought that this is the way forward and if you see the pakistan team the whole essence we never had really big match winners uh, in our team i mean we we used to combine efforts and then win now in the recent past, there have been few performances that one bowler took five wickets or one batter would score a century. But but initially, because we were starting from scratch, the overall composition of the team was everyone chipped in a little bit and that's how we used to win matches. And that is how I just wanted to build the team up because yeah. to, to create those kinds of match winners without resources, without the kind of technical assistance other countries have it was it was almost impossible to do it and cricket was a new sport for pakistan so we never had prepared athletes coming into the system so that was the overall mentality that i knew in the very beginning i did do one thing when i became the captain i do uh, i i remember everyone in pakistan wants to be an all-rounder whenever you go on the street and ask someone uh, whether you bowl or bat every almost everyone's going to say i do both so this was this was true for all the girls i was playing also so the first thing i did when i took up captaincy i asked them to give them give me their speciality i will let them do the other thing but there sh- there has to be one thing and that's how we started growing in our own departments we were still uh, performing together but I did want to separate that who is the batting, who thinks who is, that she's a batting all-rounder or a bowling all-rounder because what did, what uh, helped us do that, that people starting understanding their roles for the team. Otherwise, I, I could see in the first four or five years that if someone could make 20 runs and take two wickets, they were happy with their performance. But that would do no good for the team even if they can score 40 runs and take no wicket that might be better for the team so that was more little tuning i think we did i did and the whole management agreed and they also gave a lot of inputs and together we developed uh, a lot together and we used to take a lot of feedback with each other understood each other spent a lot of time with each other so i think that's how initially we started building the spirit of the team um, yeah, I think it's marvelous proper leadership, Sana, very inspirational stuff. It's hard to imagine uh, Jeff Boycott saying that his proudest moment was a, uh, as a captain was the fact that he had a lot of highly... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was very struck also by, you were talking about, you were very pleased about beating India because uh, <laughs> the the, uh, the men's team 
hadn't managed to do that. And I sort of, um, what, what, what are relations like with the men's team and who are your great idols there? Do you get, are there, is there a lot of interaction and so on and so forth? So yeah, the part of the sweetness about this is that uh, we were angry on both, I guess. <laughs> a yeah. little bit angry on India for beating us all the time and whatever cricket we followed uh, as kids were men's cricket. That was all we could see on TV and especially the World Cups would definitely come on TV and um, even though we knew we had such a great team, great players, but we couldn't cross that finish line in the World Cup. So there was a bit of frustration there. And then, of course, with men's cricket, um, initially when when we started interacting, they, I guess now when I reflect, I, I feel that they didn't understand how to interact with uh, with female cricketers because they had never seen them. So yeah. in, in our culture, it was, I, I, now I reflect, it was difficult for them to know whether they should they should talk to us a lot about cricket or they should just keep at a distance. So initially, there was a lot of dis, dis, uh, distance. We never s talked about cricket a lot. They never took any interest. We never went to them to ask for an advice or give an advice or anything. So initially, it was not like that. But in the last five, six years, the new... I mean, the cricketers like Muhammad Afiz, Azhar Ali, Shoaib Malik, these people have come into and they are more at ease talking to us but the generation before that they were not um, as um, I would say as um, friendly as as the ones that we have now so it has okay. definitely grown and now we we work out together in gyms and we have nets together in the same place and then we when if we are going on in on Australia tour or England tour we we can talk about conditions and do some kind of homework homework but it has had it has only started in the last four or five years before that yeah. there was hardly any interaction that that's terrific sonica who's your who's your sort of model when you were sort of who's your hero in the sort of pakistan cricketing firmament men's cricketing firmament? who did you admire so I was a very choosy person in that <laughs> sense. I had, I had favorites in every field. So, um, as as an all rounder, Imran Khan, I really looked up to. Uh, cool. Initially, I was a fast bowling all rounder before I had the injury to my back and became a spinner. So, um, I definitely look up to him as an all rounder. As a fast bowler specialist, I would look up to Wakar Yunus. As a fielder, uh -huh. Jaunty Rhodes was my favorite. So, so yeah, it it I had a lot of different um, favorites. But as a captain, um, overall, if I see, I think MS Dhoni. Um, uh -huh. I've I've really enjoyed his style of captaincy, and um, I I can see how he he established uh, a team that was not only for his era but for for years to come for india so i yeah. think that uh, his captaincy really really um, inspired me yeah yeah quite laid back ms sometimes uh, yeah <laughs> calm calm under pressure i think it'd be <laughs> so pretty good calm under pressure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um sort of um two asian gold cup um, medals um Quite a lot of our listeners probably aren't very familiar with the Asian Gold Cup. Can you just describe a little more what those what those tournaments were and um, what you had to do to to win them? 
so pakistan women's cricket was never part of asian games um uh, before 2010 but pakistan participated in over 50 games or it might be more than that i'm not sure about the exact number since i think the asian games are going so i mean there was a lot of representation representation of pakistan in these games they are like semi they are like mini olympics for asian countries so all athletes from all different sports from all different countries they get together on one venue and then they compete so it's like a mini olympic for the asian teams um so it's a huge deal uh, i only also got to know about it once we participated initially when we were going we we were thinking more on asian asia cup lines like five six teams coming and playing but once we actually reached uh, reached the country um Uh, the first one were in gonzo so when we reached china there was an athlete village of over 12 12000 athletes or more than that the dining area was about like could accommodate 600 to 1200 athletes at one point so it was huge it was big so yeah it was um, it it happened right after the spot fixing and match fixing thing happened with men's cricket and what was really frustrating at that point was wherever we went as women cricketers no one would talk about our journeys no one would talk about what we are doing in cricket in pakistan every interview every every time we had a press conference in any country in any tournament no matter it was a world cup qualifier no one would ask us about whether we will qualify they would call just talk to us about that match fixing and spot fixing and we were answerable for what three people had done so yeah. that was a very difficult time for all of us as a nation um, and as as someone as ambassadors to our country also uh, when we would go on to play in different countries so asian game gold first gold medal happened 3 months or 4 months after this scandal so that's why i think it was a huge we we were welcomed like heroes in pakistan because mm. the gold medal in asian games uh, it was after 8 years that we won it in any game we used to be really good in hockey and other sports and we used to win gold medals but pakistan had not won a gold medal for 8 years in these games so we were the first team to win it in 8 years there was other gold medals in the asian games but th- those happened after our gold medal and then there was this match fixing thing going on so all after coming back from that that made it very huge the asian gold medal very huge for all pakistanis because they were all craving for that pride that they had lost um and i think that's why this gold medal was extremely extremely important and and holds a very spe- a special place in our hearts because that is when our country actually recognized you you talked about khan sisters and you all know about their world records and everything but it was the timing um i think that earned us this recognition and we as a yeah. team was yeah. uh, really uh, really welcomed in our own country and i think that's where women's cricket started finding those footings and started getting those rec- those kinds of recognitions What um what format did you play in those um in those Asian games Sana? It was T20. It was T20 because it's a, very much a model it could be a model for um inclusion of cricket in 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 the the Olympics which everybody's uh, which a lot of people are hoping for. 
where there are yes, yes, definitely, definitely. It would it would open doors for so many other countries and so many other athletes. Women's cricket in the Olympics would be fantastic. Would be absolutely fantastic, and it's just right because we'd make an Olympic medal a really important thing. I mean, Sonny, can I just ask you: Is it financially? Uh, how, how is women's cricket doing in Pakistan? I mean, do you do, do can women make a living out of playing cricket, or do you need to have another to have another job, or is sponsorship and advertising making it easier now? It's it's a it's a complex question to answer because of the kind of culture we live in. Um, yeah. At the moment, why women cricketers um, have been able to pursue it with with the kind of contracts we have is because of our culture. Because um, in our culture, we live with our, our parents. <laughs> we don't move out. So in that sense, we do save. Uh, so we don't have to generally think about owning our own space, paying our own rent. So all kind of stuff. If if you look at on those lines, I still think it's a semi-professional sport in Pakistan because these contracts have been uh, okay for us just because of the, the cultural setting we have. But if girls want to live on their own, have their own spaces, I think there's a huge lot of improvement. And especially with the kind of trainings and nutri- nutrition and uh, equipment uh, now ha- countries have access to if we have to match those also these contracts definitely have to improve quite quickly yeah yeah so no, your international career brought you into contact with many other countries which other women's cricket teams and cricketers have been especially rewarding for you to meet and play with I think two countries come to my mind. Now, Thailand is the third one after watching them play the kind of spirit they did in the World Cup. But I think Sri Lanka and New Zealand. Um, uh, Because I've found um, both of these countries have a great sense of sportsmanship. Um, And and the way they take up sport, it's quite process-oriented. I mean... I can't say that much about Sri Lanka in that sense, but the sportsmanship part, uh, mostly I'm hugely impressed by New Zealand. Um, uh, I had visited a lot of countries as captain and led a lot of teams. Some experiences were quite difficult uh, because people tend to get very competitive and can't see the need of the other team who who is touring. Uh, so it happened with one of the top teams in the world. But when we went to New Zealand, so uh, what I really experienced there was great sportsmanship uh, because they would ask about whether they want to, you want to do a toss uh, or not, or you want to choose what you want to do. And then they would, would they would talk about uh, whether we want to play 50 overs, whether we want to play just for the match. I mean, they knew we were coming from far. They knew that we never had an opportunity as Pakistan team to have bilateral series or pl- play in the, those conditions. And they, they were considerate about that. So it was not only about winning and losing a cricket game. It was more about developing as cricket athletes. So I was really touched by New Zealand on two occasions. Uh, one was Katak, when the Pakistan team had to um, stay in a stadium um, in, in the World Cup 2017 and we had hardly any interaction with any other cricketers or any other people and Susie Bates came to me at toss and 
and said that whatever would be the result of this match, we would like to have drinks with you guys in our dressing room. So I thought that was a great gesture because um, at that point we were craving uh, interhuman interaction. So I think that's something that really stayed with me. And the other thing when we, we toured New Zealand, so Sedevate was the captain uh, for their A-team. And the way she she held herself, the way she, she was accommodating of our needs. So so for me, that's what sport is about, that we, we can see what other the needs of other people and we have that kind of community while being competitive. I mean, of course, yeah. we, it, it is a competitive sport and I love to compete. But holding those values in essence, I think um, uh, I have to say New Zealand um, yeah. has has done them time and again. It's very interesting you say that because, I mean, I think most people would say how much they admire uh, New Zealand's sportsmanship, apart from Australians, of course, who can't stand it. <laughs> uh, uh, but everybody, I mean, New Zealand and uh, people like Kane Williamson and so on, Brendan McCullum, great, it's a great sporting, great sporting nation. So th- there's a de- lot of development in, in women's cricket. I was, uh, Richard would tell me that Marley is now playing... Um, uh, women's cricket and, and Thailand too. Um, who? Anything you'd like to, what would you say the best way to develop women's cricket is in the country? I mean, I had no idea there was a women's team in Mali and uh, that must be quite tough. Um, you should be running that as well, actually. <laughs> so um, so how, what's the best way to develop women's cricket in, in sort of adverse circumstances or in good circumstances, do you think? So, yeah, it? I would, I would, I would love to do some consultancies over all all these beautiful countries. I won't mind that, but but yeah, um, I think um, I've I've recently had an exposure with an organization called Fair Break Eleven from Australia, um, and what they do is they uh, they call like ten different uh, cricketers from ten different countries and have one mentor with them, and then they. Uh, they play different matches. One, uh, uh, Wormsley, England, we played three games last year and then Bradman Oval in Australia. So I got to know that there are girls playing cricket in Botswana. I got to know there's, there are girls cri- cricket, playing cricket in Germany, um, Vanuatu, the countries I've never even heard names of. And there were girls playing cricket there. So I, I do feel that a, uh, that, uh, a structure like that is going to be an extremely extremely important for future of women's cricket where we can have mentors and we can have because for me again as as i said in 2005 it was very difficult for us to develop quickly with the pace other teams were developing because we never had senior players and mentors with us so i think that's why i think mentorship is hugely important for these developing developing nations and especially who do not have backgrounds in cricket uh, so so tournaments like they 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 can be two example. One is the ICC Championship, uh, where yeah. eight teams play each other in two two years. I think that's one model we can follow with these upcoming countries, even in the T Twenty format. And then there should be other tournaments uh, like the Fair Break and um, like the Big Bash and 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 the Kia Leagues yeah. and hundred like where where girls from different countries can come and play together and i think the yeah. more cricket is played the more skilled cricketers get is going to have a great we can have great product uh, for us in women's cricket so i think that is going to be extremely important for for the, their development and of course the boards have to make them financially independent <laughs> 
if that is not going to happen the way the top teams are are uh, developing it's going to have a very unbalanced kind of a product if other other boards are not going to uh, help them i mean have it full time yes so that's been suggested to us by a lot of previous guests that t20 is a major factor that's led to many more women playing cricket and many more women in many more different countries playing cricket. Um, you know, would you agree with that? Has T20 eased the passage for women into the game? Uh, that's, a, that's a difficult uh, way to put it because we have given T20 international status to all countries and I think that's the decision that has helped women take up T20 cricket more. But for me... As as a cricketer, I I really hold the longer formats, and uh, I think they are crucial for the development of a cricketer. Um, I've, I've I think we we play far less Test cricket. I think, in my personal opinion, the kind of quality I've seen in women's cricket, they can, we can have superb Test cricketers also. Of course, T Twenty is is the game going forward. There's no doubt about that. People enjoy it more and it's easier to to get into the groove and build teams around that. But I think there should be a balance uh, between the longer and shorter formats. Uh, any cricketer who is a good cricketer for one day, it's very easy to make them a good T20 cricketer. But I'm not sure whether we can do it the other way around. So we also need to see that as cricket organizers, do we really want to restrict women's cricket to just one format and just just invest on that? Uh, Because that's not how I feel as a cricketer. I think uh, women have the potential uh, to play the longer formats. They have the endurance. They have the skill. They have the stamina. They have the patience more than anything else (laughs) that is tested in, in test cricket and all. So why are we... Why are we having this assumption that women women do not have enough of that? So I I, I mean for me that is that is I think women should play all three formats. Uh, yes, T Twenty cricket is more accessible and easier for a lot of other nations, but we should encourage them to play the longer formats also. No, you've never you've never had the opportunity to play a, a women's Test match, have you? Yes, that's uh, that's uh, definitely something that I I really wanted to do. The only time I was able to wear white uniform was at Lords <laughs> uh, for the World Eleven. Uh, that makes my heart just happy that I was able to play with the red ball at international level. But other than that, um, I really miss that one thing in in my career. That's marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Can I ask you one? Can we look at your future now, Sana? What are you gonna? Please, what, if you can, please, if you can look into it, tell me about it. <laughs> what, what are your? Um, <laughs> I'm looking at my crystal ball. What are your, your months of reflection? Yes. Yeah, what are your plans? You know, you you've been such a huge figure, such an inspiring person. I know Richard's heard you speak. I mean, are you are, are you going to be making a lot more speaking, personal appearances? mentoring and all that kind of stuff i'd love to know what your plans are because there's such a lot you can do to bring bring young women along yes i think something that is really close to my heart i'm not sure how uh, how that will happen for me professionally but something that's really close to my heart is mentorship because i really understand that how important that is because of my journey 
and i've experienced that little bit of that during the fair break thing and of course during my captaincy for pakistan also working with the girls um, how a word of encouragement or or giving the right direction at the right point can change lives uh, i think that gives me a lot of energy and i would love to do that um, uh, in future whether it it's professional or no, uh, non professional i don't mind that i i will be doing that i i keep doing that and i have had um god has been extremely kind to me that i have had great mentors in my life uh, apart from cricket um in in my personal life also so i do think that is something i really want to do other than that um i'm open and receptive to whatever life throws at me and god has worked out for me so uh, definitely i'll be op- open to that but at the moment i'm just trying different things i did try a bit of commentary i as i said i i have been involved in mentorship roles also yeah. uh, i do a little bit of uh, off field stuff for my bank uh, team also um, we yeah. we talk about it's not in in the job description but we do talk about the vision of how we are going to transition players from playing to um, uh, coaching role so we are doing that uh, at the back end also like batul fatima who, who who was our wicket most one of the most successful wicket keepers is now an assistant coach uh, for the bank team so things like that so i am doing different things but if you say that one thing that really satisfies my heart it has to be mentorship yeah i bet any any plans for book sana Um, <laughs> yes, 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 I have. But <laughs> lots of people, including us, would be very glad to help you with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would love to receive all the help you you can offer. And yes, I, I've started writing uh, about uh, like few memoirs uh, on my computer at the moment. It's not very. Um, I'm not. I'm, I mean, it's not very uh, a, a properly organized thing at the moment. But yes, I do. I do think. a story from this region and how this has impacted lives and how then our world view has evolved and people's interaction i think all these stories uh, need to be told like like i told talked about new zealand i think uh, the, the world with this pandemic we all all realize that our future is collective uh, if one person is not taking precautions they are affecting so many other people so we cannot just think about ourselves we cannot isolate ourselves so i think with that in mind um, it's very important that all these stories are told and talked about and our coming generation can can learn from them so yeah i, I would love to i would love to work on the book well i'd love to read it thank you thank you Sort of. That's a very inspiring message to to take away, and I'm sure it's something you're going to advance further in, in your career, Roger. And I know that you're going to continue to be an inspiration to so many people across the world. And um, we wish you every success in um, whichever form it takes. Thank you so much. Goodbye from me, Richard Heller. And goodbye from me, Roger Alton. It's been it's been an inspiration talking to you. Sana and good luck marvelous. Thank you so much to every one of you. Thank you.